Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to the Press Office with Caden Co PR, where today I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Megan Hustwaite, a sports journalist, broadcaster, and MC. Megan takes us on a very captivating journey through her career, sharing the challenges that she has faced along the way and the triumphs that have led to where she is today. With a passion for sports and a relentless drive for success, Megan's story is an inspiring testament to her perseverance. During our conversation, we delve into Megan's ever-evolving relationships with publicists and discuss some of the hurdles that arise in such a fast-paced world, such as sports, especially as a woman. I absolutely adored this chat with Megan, so let's get on to the interview. So excited to be chatting to you today, so thank you again for making the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Marissa. It is very exciting to be here. I am a subscriber and a listener. I love the podcast. You do a great job. So I was very excited when you asked me to come on. Oh, I love that you're a fan of the podcast. It, it That just makes me so happy. So thank you. Now, you have had a highly coveted career so far in the media industry and in particular in sports media. What inspired you to initially pursue a career in sports journalism? Is this something you always knew that you wanted to do? Yeah, it it really was. I was eight years old in grade three when I decided that was what I wanted to do. And the the real reason why was because for school we did a uh, like homework or a project where we had to do a news report. And back then, mid-90s, that was taped on a cassette tape and I just loved putting the story together and recording it. And I grew up in Ballarat and I loved sport locally, but also just consuming sport in every way. And so I sort of put the two together and that's what I decided on. And uh, I never changed all during school and high school. And it's been nearly 20 years in the industry now. So I think, yeah, that decision was definitely one thing I've I've got right along the way. (laughs) I love that. And I'm sure many people are wondering, how did you get first started in the media industry? Yeah, when I was at school um, in Ballarat, the local paper, The Courier, had a youth page where teenagers could contribute stories. So I used to do that and it was a range of sort of CD reviews, um, local issues, sports. So I began doing that and uh, and then I was just writing for the paper while I was in high school. And uh, and that's kind of where I decided that that was the, the route that I wanted to take. I didn't want to go to uni, which back then was a bit sort of a, a con- controversial thing with my careers teacher. I wanted to get a cadetship because I'd had that taste of it and I wanted 
to do that. I wanted to jump in and and do that full time. I didn't want to go through the um, the practical way of uni. So I started applying for cadetships when I was in in year 12 around regional Victoria and I I wasn't getting them I was getting a lot of rejection letters and that was because I hadn't finished school so I was lucky that I did land one before I finished exams so my fate and, and my future was kind of there for me before I even finished my year 12 exams which on reflection now you know nearly two decades later is is pretty incredible. That's amazing. I did not realize that you didn't go to uni. And and like you said, I'm sure that would have been really controversial at the time. Did you have a lot of people, you mentioned your careers counsellor, but friends and family going, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I remember the careers teachers saying like, you're not going to, to be a journalist if you don't go to RMIT. And I was lucky that when I was working at the Courier in Ballarat, a sort of a turning point for me in, in those teenage years was Carlton had an AFL community camp in Ballarat in the pre-season of 2004 and at the paper we needed all hands on deck to cover such a big event so I had a few days off school to work on that which was just incredible and it was there that I met John Anderson who was a, a senior sports writer at the Herald Sun who was covering the camp and I knew who he was because I used to have a, a scrapbook you'll laugh at this Marissa with all my <laughs> articles and journals. So I, I knew who he was and, and he obviously saw me a, a young, I think I would, was 16 then, girl and probably wondering what, what the heck I was doing there. So he became my mentor instantly and, and I used to go down and, and visit him and spend some time around the Herald Sun. So I guess from that environment and someone like him encouraged me that, yep, you know, cadetships have been a a path in for a very long time. They're becoming a bit more rare, but because I'd had that taste, I was determined to sort of do it that way rather than take sort of the three-year, more scenic, longer journey to uni. You are certainly a hustler now, that is for sure. And since then, you have built up such an impressive career and you've worked through different outlets and different mediums as a sports journalist, how do you kind of find this transition is between TV, print and radio? Yeah, it's a great question because I spent um, sort of the first probably 13 years of my career working full-time in newspapers and, and then doing sports radio on the side. So I think when I moved into radio, but still doing print at the same time, it gave me a really good understanding of, of what radio was about. And even though I'd been a journo for a long time in print, Getting started at radio at at 1116 SCN in Melbourne, I was brand new in that environment. So I started, uh, I would go in there on my days off from the newspaper and answer phones and print out things for the hosts and, and, and just do those sort of things while, you know, you're starting from scratch in a new environment. And then about Nearly six years ago, I went out on my own um, as a freelancer or what I like to describe as an unrestricted free agent, which is a very sporting <laughs> description. And uh, and so I've, over the last five years, I've um, begun doing more broadcast and on, on air work and, and now I'm able to juggle the three, which I, I really love. And, and they do have similarities, but they're so different as well. So it definitely keeps things really fresh and exciting for me because every week is different and, and every week sort of has a little bit of each of those mediums. And speaking of keeping things fresh and different, you you often work on some 
massive sporting events from the AFL Grand Finals and the Tokyo Olympics, which was even during a global pandemic. What have been some of your career highlights so far? Yeah, it's it, it comes thick and fast when you work in sport because just the general, you know, week to week play-by-play stuff is exciting. And then you've got the crescendo, the AFL Grand Finals, which I was lucky to do a few of them from a producing standpoint in radio. The Olympics that you mentioned, I was hoping to go to Tokyo in 2021 for the Olympics, but it, it didn't work out because of the pandemic. So I was covering the basketball, the Australian Opals and Australian Boomers, basically from my couch here in my apartment in Melbourne because we were in lockdown. So that was still really cool and definitely gave me something to do apart from, you know, the one hour of exercise a day. But it was it was super interesting working to an Olympic schedule, which is obviously really hectic while I couldn't really leave the house. So that was really interesting. And then probably the FEVA Women's World Cup in Sydney last year, I covered the comeback of Lauren Jackson, Australia's greatest basketballer, who came came back to play for her country at age 41. So to be there in Sydney and and watch her step out on court for the first time in that comeback and then lead Australia to a bronze medal in her last international game where she scored 30 points, that was really cool. I think anything that's on home soil is extra special. She's so incredible. And that's such an incredible opportunity that you got to cover that. And In terms of interviewing coaches and players, when it comes to sports journalism, how do you approach this? Yeah, it's really interesting because, as you said, working across a few different mediums, obviously they can be different environments. In print, you might have a bit longer in an interview to settle into a chat. In TV, you can have 30 seconds to ask a couple of quick questions. I like to think of my style as quite conversational and chatty. And and my priority, no matter what the interview is, whether it's with a basketball or post game on the middle of the court or whether it is something longer form for a um, print interview, is my priority is to make the athlete feel comfortable and just in a safe environment. And I think by, you know, I'm a country girl originally, I love a chat. So I think by just making people feel comfortable, they do open up, they share how they're feeling. And that's where you do get little bites of gold or humor or emotion. And I think that style probably came from being a young person, but also interviewing young people like TAC Cup footballers. I think interviewing those um, young men who wanted to play AFL, were playing in an under-18 competition. It it was often like trying to get blood out of a stone. It was (laughs) yeah-nah answers. And that sort of taught me to adapt my style a bit to people that, you know, aren't media savvy or a bit shy or haven't, you know, had all the training. So that's definitely my approach to try and just make it a bit of a yak. and, uh, And then often people will settle into that and you can get some good stuff. That's so important. I agree. I'm quite similar to you too, that the more conversational style type interviews are way more engaging. You get like much more interesting stuff and, you know, like I'm not here to break a scandal. That's not my job. And some journalists, that is their job. But I I agree, especially to, you know, changing your approach for different people is so key. 
Absolutely, because some people are naturally more introverted and quiet and don't love the spotlight. Some are really bright and bubbly and, yeah, really outgoing. I find that also being Australian, you know, dealing with international athletes, that's always a great thing. They love the accent. They (laughs) don't know what I'm saying, (laughs) Um, but they they like our laid back style. So um, that's always, you know, something that I use that I've got up my sleeve too. The accent is, you know, a little gift in disguise, isn't it? (laughs) 100%. (laughs) And I wanted to ask you, as a female sports journalist, I can imagine that there probably were some moments in your career that, you know, you kind of have to face, overcome challenges and adversities because of your gender. Are there any particular moments where you felt there were barriers in your career? Yeah, it's a great point. I think when I started out, when I did get that cadetship in country Victoria, I was the first female to full-time cover the footy up in, in that district. And that, that was a really big deal back in sort of mid 2000s. To me, I was just doing what I'd always wanted to do. And I didn't see it as a big deal because I was a teenager. I was 17, 18 years old, but it at times was met with mixed reaction. And there were some yuck experiences, you know, during that time. I had water thrown over me in the change rooms once when I was interviewing a coach by some of the players, um, you know, different sorts of abuse and comments and I guess it probably gave me a bit of a tough skin. The positive was that I had great men that I worked with around me and and also some of them were in the sporting community that called it out for what it was but also really supported me and made sure that they nurtured my confidence because I was a teenager. So I probably just thought that, you know, it was crap what was going on but I didn't really understand the depths of it. So I feel like, you know, Reflecting now, again, a long, long, long time down the track, that was probably, yeah, quite challenging. And But in saying that, you know, I worked at SEN for 10 years and, and people might think from the outside, working at a 24-hour sports radio station, there wasn't a lot of female presence on air then apart from myself and a couple of other women. But I found that one of the most supportive, encouraging, vibrant workplaces that I've been a part of. And, and it was a lot of sportsmen, a lot of retired footballers who I looked up to and watched growing up who were really supportive of me and gave me great opportunities and encouragement. So yeah, it's not always the things or the experiences or jobs that might bring or present those challenges. So definitely had challenges along the way and I still have them, you know, in in different forms 20 years on, but I've also got some great experiences and, and things to reflect on that have involved men championing a woman in the industry, which, you know, at times has been rare. And I think too now looking at the industry, there is a lot of women commentators and reporters in the sports industry. And, you know, you're definitely part of that, that women and young girls growing up now who are wanting to get into sports media, there's actually visibility. They can see what they want to be, which is great. Yeah, it's so true because when I was growing up and I was footy and cricket obsessed, I didn't see women on the team. 
I didn't hear them on the radio. You know, I'd read Caroline Wilson in, in the newspapers and as I grew a bit older, there was Christy Malthouse and Cully Underwood and Tiffany Cherry. Um, but there's definitely so many more now. It's just normal. It's just normal, um, which is amazing. And, yeah, I guess there was a few moments over the last couple of basketball seasons where I do sideline reporting and, you know, having little girls come up to me at the game and have a bit of a chat or, or their parents get a photo and that's super cool, mm. not from a, oh, well, they know who I am standpoint, <laughs> but or that they see that, you know, a woman um, reporting from the sidelines on, on national sport is a completely normal thing and they're seeing that on TV or at the arenas. And if that's what they want to do, it's absolutely a path that they can follow. I love that so much. That warms my heart because, you know, I always just think about if I had a daughter, what I want them to, you know, grow up around and being able to see. And I guess in a, a really similar vein too, 10 years ago, there wasn't even an AFL women's league, you know, and there has been this rise of female sports. How have you seen this change and evolution while working in the industry? Because I know you are really passionate about female sports as well. Absolutely. And it it makes me so happy and proud to see increased women's sports coverage. And definitely there should be more and, and we should be striving for higher standards. I, I'm 100% for that. But I think it's important too to reflect on how far we have come because we have come very far in, in the last 10 years and that's been through AFLW, through the WBBL, Super Netball, WNBL, the, the A-Leagues. There's There's been improved media coverage. When I worked in community newspapers, which was for a decade, women's sport was integral to what we did because we had huge newspapers, you know, the at the prime of, of leader newspapers, there was more than 30 across Melbourne and I worked across 10 of them reporting sports. So women's sport, local footy, um, hockey, uh, baseball, um, just a mix of everything. And we needed to tell those stories and share the results and pictures. And we probably needed them more than they needed us. So I had that great experience of, I guess, equal if not more coverage for women's sport but yeah I think we've made big strides it's important to look back on that because I think the easy default is to always be frustrated and want more and we absolutely do but I think we've made some great improvements. Definitely and even like I think about you know the Cricket World Cup that was here and you know it was amazing so we definitely have especially from like an events perspective as well and a PR perspective so I absolutely love it uh, and I guess another thing that you would have seen change over the years in your career as a journalist is that social media is now a huge part of the role how has you know the digital world really changed your role yeah, I mean, I think it's been fantastic, particularly from a women's sport standpoint, because female athletes have a platform of their own, a blank canvas to share content, share themselves, share their stories. So I think it's been huge from that point of view. And just as a sports fan too, and I guess as a journalist, just being able to get all the bites of information you want at your fingertips, whether it's team selection, results, live scores, news, 
and, and see, you know, sports people sharing unique parts of their life um, and their careers. So that's been been huge. And, and then I guess the news that is generated from that. I mean, who could have imagined even 10 years ago when there was really just Facebook and Twitter that, you know, so much news would be generated from someone's Instagram account and the content that they they post. So it's become a huge part of the news cycle as well. It really has. And you make such a great point about how much news is actually generated from social media and from people having platforms. And, you know, it really can be used for good as well. Absolutely. Like there's one thing that I'm really passionate about covering sport is the stories of people involved in sport off court or off field. And and that might be around mental health or health issues, um, being a mum and a a, um, part-time athlete. Um, I've covered you know, really deeply personal stories about a former Australian basketballer who experienced domestic violence at the hands of her partner when she was pregnant. So lots of things like that. And then you look at like the big freeze for vitamin D and and Neil Danaher. There's so many things like that, that um, are great causes. And we've been able to bring great awareness to those causes and tell those stories through that medium, you know, of social media that, you know, it's part of this, you know, it's a storytelling tool. It is part of the media cycle now. We've we've moved so far on from you know just the the print newspaper sort of every day or, or the six pm news. So I think it's been great in that regard. Definitely, and I also now want to touch on your relationships with PRs as. I have to say that when I was first starting out in the industry, you were one of the first journalists who took up my offer for a coffee and, you know, really interacted with me on social media following that. Are these relationships with PRs as equally as important to you as they are for the publicists? Absolutely. And um, I remember the cafe we went to too um, when we caught up. So, yes, fondly (laughs) Marissa. Yeah, I really value my relationships with with PRs from a professional sense. And then I think it's like, you know, our the workplace and, and the environment that we work in, you naturally become friends with people as well. So I've made some great mates that work in PR too. And it's definitely evolved because when I worked in regional and then community media, it was, you know, a great partnership working with PRs, um, particularly on sort of grassroots sport and different initiatives, um, different athletes. And then that's evolved to, I guess, now as a freelance writer, there's been some great opportunities that I've been presented and and the chance to work with PRs and different brands and different athletes on a range of stories across different mediums. One of those would be, um, I guess, involving Patty Mills, where I worked with a a PR um, to do a story with him for News Corp a couple of years ago. And then last year when the Women's World Cup was in Sydney, Brianna Stewart, who's the best women's basketballer in the world from the US, was out here competing. And she launched her own shoe through Puma and Foot Locker in Sydney. And for that PR agency, I hosted the event with her. So it's been really great to have that sort of journey with with PRs. And yeah, they're so important to what I do, probably more so because I am freelance. So I really love these days being able to work with PRs in terms of, I guess, the old school pitch for, for print media and then sort of leading into doing a bit of MC work and a bit of content creation too. So yeah, it's something that that means a lot to me. 
I love that you touch on how the relationship has really evolved instead of now just being, you know, that straight pitch, you know, this is what I want, the coverage, this is who I have access to. You are now getting other career opportunities through PRs too. And I think that's, you know, really important to note on both sides as well, because it's like, you know, for event emceeing, ambassador roles, content creations, content creation, journalists often can be a really great fit for those roles as well. It's so interesting because you never, um, when you set out to be a journalist and you're in the cut and thrust of it, you never consider yourself to be talent or or someone like that. So the content creation bit, and I'm trying to do a bit more of it, and I like it because I've got no idea what I'm doing, but (laughs) I'm really learning. So that's great too. And I think those relationships are important because you might have worked with someone for a long time in in a PR sense with things like print stories. And um, so when an opportunity comes about to MC an event or to post about a campaign on Instagram, they already know a lot about you in terms of what you're going to deliver, your work ethic, how you are to deal with. So it's been something unexpected, but something that's been really enjoyable. I love that. Now, I do have to ask, because I'm sure there will be many, many people listening along being like, I want your job. What advice would you give to someone who is interested in pursuing a career in sports journalism? Well, going back to what we have been chatting about with social media, it's something that I wish was around when I was a teenager trying to stand out. And I guess back then I wrote for the the local paper and I actually hand wrote those stories and would deliver them to the newspaper to be printed. These days, you know, one of the great strengths of social media is that it's a blank canvas. And I love seeing people, whether it's sport, whether it's food, whether it's pop culture, fashion, using their social media to yeah, just bring bring to life their passions, what they're interested in. And then that sort of goes, you know, blogs were like the big thing sort of 10, 12 years ago, but now it's podcasts and yeah, all sorts of things. So I think, you know, social media is free and it's accessible. Everyone's got it on their phones. And I think it's so exciting for people that, you know, want to work in the media in whatever role that might be, that you can start creating a platform now and you can Um, deliver news, you can interview people, you can share opinions, you can create content. And that's a huge thing, you know, when you are looking for work with outlets down the track, it it shows great initiative and you'll have a great portfolio of work and you've already been doing the grind. And I think that's the half the battle sometimes is just getting out there and doing the work. So I think it's a really exciting time. You know, I know media has changed a lot and quite quickly in a lot of ways too, but that would be my advice. That's great advice. And I think there is so much opportunity with social media now too. Like there's news outlets that completely just run on social media. Right. I, I was lucky enough to do a, a ladies lunch last week where I emceed it and Jackie Felgate, who's twice been your guest, Marissa, and I loved um, her interviews in season one and season two. And I was just bloody excited to interview her. I thought, I'm getting paid to listen to Jackie because I love Jackie. Yeah. And it was great to hear again, you know, how she as a journalist and, and presenter has used her Instagram. Um, I mean, she really is a massive part of the news cycle in Victoria now. You know, the the news services, you know, radio, newspapers are often reporting off, off the back of what she's broken. 
um, because she's got that amazing link with the community. So, you know, Jackie Felgate's the poster girl for that. Yeah, it her page is actually extraordinary and you're right. Like she literally is breaking stories that then become mainstream news within the next few hours. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, and before we get on to quick fire questions, I would love to know what is next for you? Do you have anything exciting coming up? Yeah, um, I do. I'm um, working at FIBA Asia Cup, Women's Asia Cup in Sydney in a couple of months. And um, there's a lot on with basketball. The men have got a World Cup and some warm-up games here in Melbourne. So I'll be working across those. And then I guess the the big goal for me is the Paris Olympics next year. Um, I've had the experience of, of covering a few Olympics from, from back here in Australia, but um, I want to go to Paris so badly. I want to, yeah, live my Olympic dream and eat a lot of um, pastries in the process. (laughs) I actually just bought tickets to some rowing events at the Paris Olympics because I know, I know a rower. (laughs) Oh yes. Hopefully we can catch up um, maybe at the rowing, Maris. Yeah. We can catch up with a croissant in hand and maybe Uh, a champagne. (laughs) That out to the universe. I have got all my crystals here. So I will, um, be putting that out to the universe for us next year. I'm manifesting that for you as well. <laughs> well, let's get on to quick fire questions. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay, what has been your favourite PR event ever? Oh, I'm going to do sort of the three, two, one brown low votes on this, which I okay. know is probably. <laughs> Speaking of footy, there used to be a great Virgin AFL Grand Final Week party, which is one of the you know, best parties annually I've ever been to. Hard to go past anything that's PR driven at the races in the birdcage, so iconically Melbourne. And I love Kmart, Marissa. I am obsessed. I'm there way too many times a week. I've been so lucky to be invited to some of Kmart's PR events over the last couple of years. And for me, that's like going to Disneyland. So um, (laughs) I couldn't pick one, so I'm picking those three. That is a great answer, though. Uh, what is your favourite podcast, apart from this, of course? Well, no, honestly, it, as I said, I'm subscribed and an active listener. Um, so, yes, I do listen to your podcast as it comes out every week. Um, my other favourite is Don't Shoot the Messenger, which is hosted by Caroline Wilson and her best friend, Corrie Perkin. Um, Corrie was actually the first female to cover Australian rules football. They've been best friends for, I don't know, 40, 40 plus years. And they talk about news, pop culture, good local tips, recipes. They have a wine segment. Um, What more could you want? I have never listened to that podcast, but you've sold it to me. Yeah, you'd really like it. Uh, What is your favorite social media platform? Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. I'm too old and daggy for TikTok. Um, in terms of posting on TikTok, but I've developed a very bad habit of getting into bed each night and just scrolling TikTok mindlessly. It's a bit of a naughty pleasure and it's unbelievable what you come across there. So I'm definitely a newbie on the TikTok train. (laughs) Welcome to my life. It's scary out there. (laughs) It's so scary. And what is your most visited website? Yeah, this one um, stumps me a bit. I'm I mean, can I say an app? Because I feel like I'm constantly on the Herald Sun app. Yes. Yeah. So um, being a Melbourneian, I, I would be on there a couple of times a day for, you know, breaking news, the latest that's happening in sport um, and always dying for whatever's happening in Confidential or Page 13. 
And my very final question for you and the most controversial, what is your screen time? Okay, so I checked this last night and realized I don't actually have it turned on, which is probably for a reason. And I know like it's so interesting when you ask your guests this because some of them have crazy screen time and then some that you think might have a lot of screen time don't have as much. I think I would be shocked by how much I do have. I'm on my phone like it's it's like the the phone charger should be connected to my belly button because we just hand in hand what's yours mine is around like five five on a good day but I actually have so I have a two-hour lock on Instagram and TikTok and most days I have to do the thing which is like ignore ignore that yeah (laughs) I need the lock I need (laughs) it's so scary it's actually frightening but you know, what else, What can you do? It's work half the time, right? But it is. I think that's the thing. You know, I do spend so much time on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. But, yeah, a lot of it is emails. You know, for us that we work in media or PR, it is, you know, yeah, constantly emails, you know, checking news, campaigns, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we've got to give ourselves a bit of a, a cough out. Yeah, I agree. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining me today, Megan. I so beyond appreciate your time and I've had such a fun time chatting to you as per usual. Thank you for having me. I've loved it and congrats on the great work with the podcast. I look forward to listening to the rest of season two. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.